it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 38. I have Dave, I'm Dave Ahern, and we have Andrew Sather with us here tonight. Tonight, we're going to have some fun. We have a special guest with us tonight. So we're going to be interviewing Maj, and Maj is from Geo Investing, and that's the name of his company, and he's a very, very interesting guy, and this is going to be a lot of fun. So without any further ado, Maj, would you take a moment and kind of tell everybody about you and kind of what you do and who you are, where you're from, and all that kind of fun stuff? Excellent. Yeah, well, thanks, guys, for having me here. This is really an opportunity. I love love talking to other investors and learning new things every day. And hopefully, hopefully we learn a little bit today from each other. Um, so, you know, Geo Investing was launched um, in 2007. We're in our 10th year anniversary, you know, geoinvesting.com. And, you know, it's a, you know, it's a site that we brought, I co-founded with my partner, Dan David, and, um, you know, we launched it with the intent to help uh, educate um, investors uh, about the advantages of investing in smaller capitalized companies, smaller caps, minor caps, uh, and to help understand how they can get an investing advantage doing that in, you know, an increasingly competitive environment. And, um, you know, we've been doing that, and we it's it's been an awesome ride. And we bring our, our product to our, our members uh, through uh, morning emails, um, through model portfolios, uh, through a lot of proprietary research, um, and um, you know, um, and our what we call our investing call to actions, uh, which are what we're buying and selling. Um, we do a lot of long stuff, mostly long stuff, but you know, we definitely pay attention to risk factors. So once in a while, you know, we, we do something called portfolio protection, and if we find some bad apples in the smaller capitalized space, we'll talk about it because we think there's too many bad apples out there now. Even you know. Surprisingly, since 2008, you think there'd be less, uh, but um, and you know we're out there to help protect our membership base and our subscribers from you know finding these either value traps or you know um, unsavory management teams. And um, you know we were a unique blend in that you know you, the, the research is really intense. You know you're either gonna love us, you know, or like this is just crazy. Um, and uh, we're very we disclose everything we do. And we know what this unique blend offers our members to be able to, hey, you know, what are these guys doing? You know, I've been, you know, 
I've been doing this for almost 30 years now, so I have a lot of experience, and I've made a lot of mistakes, and, and they get to learn from that. But it's also for the investor who wants to do their own research. You know, we have a proprietary research basis of over over one thousand research pieces on you know, on the on the space. And I kind of make it akin to like I make a comparison with like the value line for microcaps. You know, value line is a great you know source that you know I learned and to use when I was you know first getting into investing, studying Peter Lynch, and it kind of you know started my whole um, routine. It was part of my routine when I was younger. Wow, this is, I wish this existed for really, really small companies with the few quality ones out there. So that's kind of what, you know, we're, we're at these days. And um, what I really love is our reasons for tracking. Our reasons for tracking is like really quick. Again, the Peter Lynch thing, you know, really quick. Five to ten reasons why we like a stock. We're getting into it. And it takes, it takes the, our member through our whole research process from the beginning to when we might actually write a whole report or maybe, you know, get involved in the company. We go through risk factors, uh, why we love it, why we might like the company, you know, our our interview notes for management, so that you have a chance, you know, to actually live it with us, and you know, and we not we might not buy we have bought the stock on day one or day two or day three, and that's real. Our our members really appreciate that because we're not you know we're not front running, we're not doing any of that. We're here, hey, you know, invest alongside us and do our research with us, and it's a really unique combination where I think investors are able to learn as hopefully they're making money. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're all about research and education. That's a big theme in our podcast is trying to get as much information as possible and really empowering the average investor. And it sounds like you have a lot of similarities in that kind of an approach. So you mentioned um, micro caps and uh, I guess you call them minor caps and small caps. And then Peter Lynch, obviously, which this is great timing for the podcast because we literally just talked about Peter Lynch last week that dedicated a whole episode on that. So how, I guess from a sizing perspective, we have market cap for the beginner who's listening. That's just the size of a company, the relation of the share price to how many shares it has outstanding. And that makes up the a company's market cap. So there's a lot of different sizes. We got um, mega cap as I see uh, you've you've referred to them as mega caps before, and then um, there's also large caps, mid caps, small caps, and then you talk about um, minor caps, and I don't know if if, if micro caps is one too. So uh, yeah, I think I let's think talk about able- mega caps in a second, but um, specifically the minor cap and micro cap and small cap. What are those, and why are there advantages there, and how do you kind of attack those? Yeah, well, we know we you know we concentrate you know so when we we define what market caps fall in those categories. So, a true micro cap is generally between fifty million and uh, three hundred million in terms of market cap. You know the price times the share of standing. And if you go below the micro cap, you know we're I call it really not nano caps. You know, and then you go under fifty million in market cap, you're at nano caps. And to tell you the truth, that's where we a lot of where we play at. You know, and there has been studies that show the smaller you go, the better your advantage. And, you know, that's why we kind of play in that area. And it all revolves around this, this, this concept we call information arbitrage. And we kind of brought, coined that term maybe, I don't know, three years ago. And, you know, you know, arbitrage, you know, if you look at the, the definition of arbitrage, you know, and the true definition, it's like a risk, if you can make a risk-free profit investing by taking advantage of, you know, maybe pricing differences in different, you know, 
jurisdictions, you know, different, you know, jurisdictions like U.S. versus, you know, China or whatever. If you have a, a, a security that trades on both, you know, two different exchanges, you know, you're trying to maybe find an arbitrage there. You know, short buy one security and short the other. So that's how people think of, you know, arbitrage. Like, okay, well, what's the closest we can get to a risk-free profit? <laughs> you know, investing in, you know, in, in the markets, and you, it's really hard investing in big caps. Because everyone's all over that, um, institutions are all over that, the bots are all over that, you know, Twitter's all over it, and you know, so the, the way you do this is by finding, you know, publicly public information that's that's out there and free, and that no one's looking at or finding, and that basically telegraphs where a stock is going to go. I mean, it's you know, and uh, it's hard. A lot of investors don't believe that it's out there, but it is in the Meyer cap and nano cap area, and you know, and for example, you know, you might have a large cap company come out there and, you know, and they release their earnings and everything's in the press release, everything. And there's really no advantage to, to really get there. But a lot of these smaller companies, when they report earnings, for example, they won't report a, a press release at all sometimes or they'll leave a lot of details out and you just go right to the SEC filing where, you know, the late, you know it's, it's, it takes effort to go there and do that and read those boring pages. And it's amazing what you can find in there. And that's why I love it. I just love the information advantage you can get by investing in these smaller companies. Now, you know, tip, typically there's I should I should actually correct something. You know, there's a, there's this conception that the market cap is a, is a um, it re- relates to the actually size of the revenue of the company, which is wrong too. So, I mean, the, the Meyer cap typically you know belongs to these smaller you know a smaller company too, but not all the time, by the way. So I have I have this term called big cap micros, which are larger companies with large revenues that have a small micro caps. I mean, small capitalizations, and those guys will typically maybe report more information. So you know, I'm looking for these really small capitalized companies with you know revenues maybe under you know maybe um, you know 500 million. The smaller the better, you know. And then they typically a lot of times will release information that's just you know. In their filings, and it's you know it's legal to go find it and trade on it, and it's not in press releases. And I have you know I have a a war chest of examples of those if we, we want to go through them at some point here today. Um, how we have kind of exploited those opportunities where management's basically just telling you buy our stock. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's talk about one of those, and then maybe also like what kind of approach because we love talking about SEC filings and. That's a big thing we try to push here on the podcast is get on sec.gov, you know, find a stock screener, try to get a list of stocks and then go on sec.gov, read an annual report and figure out what the numbers mean. And so that's something I personally am really big on is the numbers and understanding the numbers and analyzing it and making sense of what the numbers are telling you and how that paints a picture. So what do you look for in an annual report and what was an example of a time where you found kind of like a hidden nugget of information that helped you get substantial profits later. Sure. Sure. So, and I'll take you through a process. So, you know, like a lot of investors will look, you know, you know, they'll screen for stocks and they'll look for the parameters, you know, they're trying to find an undervalued company that look undervalued. And I take it, I kind of take an opposite approach. So when I read a press release, um, I'm obviously looking for those obvious undervalued companies, but I love to find these companies that just look like they're dead. You know, and I try to find a, a, a small hint, like in a press release, you know, or somewhere that there's a glimmer of hope somewhere. 
And I'll take you through, and you know, I'll take you through a process of how that, you know, really occurred. It was an incredible situation. And anyone who's listening that might know Gio is probably going to get bored because I'd always like to tell a story. <laughs> but, but it's a great, it's a great, it's a great story. And it's there's this company. It's um, the symbol is Edward Sam Charlie Charlie. Uh, and uh, they make, you know, um, uh, equipment for planetariums, and um, you know, the, the Disney would actually build, you know. And they provide content for them too. So you know the company. When I came across the company in 2014, um, I just was reading a press, an earnings press release, and you know, and um, they were reporting losses in the press release, um, and they were reporting. I think they had like a it looked like they were on a 30 million dollar revenue rate company. They had maybe eight million outstanding shares. Stock was a 14 cents, but they were losing some money. I noticed there's like one one little kind of sentence in the press release. Regarding the reason they were losing money was because of this pension liability that was past due, and they were just taking this charge. And I went back. Okay, what if this pension liability wasn't there? What would happen here? Because you know, I had, you know, I know, all right, this would be interesting. We took away that charge, and it was a pretty profitable company, maybe doing potentially at thirty cents a share in earnings. So you had a stock that potentially, if this pension liability wasn't there. We had earnings per share of thirty cents on an annual basis, and it would be potentially debt free. It's not selling at fourteen cents like it's you know price for bankruptcy. <laughs> that was, okay, free that money. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're big on this like digging in the numbers beyond what management gives you. Just digging in, you know, taking the numbers and recalculating earnings per share numbers, and even the numbers. And you know, we do that with every press release earnings press release in the market cap sector, we go out there and we, we make, we calculate our own non-gap, non-gap number. And so I went to the filing and I found some verbiage in the filing, the 10 Q related to that earnings press release that talked about the pension liability that the company was trying to resolve the liability. And there seemed to be a glimmer of hope in the, in the 10 Q that they were optimistic about resolving it. And then I kept reading, you know, then I read the next um, 10Q, every 10Q that came out kept talking about, you know, this liability. And with every 10Q, it was, it was, the rivers was getting better and better in the, in the 10Q. Not necessarily in the press release, though. <laughs> and it got to a point where he actually said in one of their filings, this is the date we're probably going to solve this by. You know, so we ended up buying a stock, you know, at 14 cents and, you know, we're writing a report about it actually for our members in the stock. I think a year later, resolved the liability and the stock eventually hit a high of, I think it was 180. And that's, that was just an example of basically what I like to call free money. And, this, and, and there's a lot of that. There's a lot of those out there. And it's just about digging a little deeper beyond what is presented to you. And like Peter Lynch said, turning over those rocks. You just the more you do, the more you're going to find. And that's did you say 180, like 180 dollars? No, no, one dollar. I'm sorry, one dollar eighty cents. Oh. Well, hopefully, I'm still, I mean, still, <laughs> so <laughs> crazy good return. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, that's a multi bag, and you know, it give you another example, which I think is a great example. And, and this is um, the symbol was Boy George Sam Frank BGSF, a staffing company, and the stock was sitting around, I think it was 17 bucks. We had bought the stock already, maybe around nine or something. And we were so happy with our investment. And all of a sudden they come out 
on the last day of a, a month into a weekend <laughs> with a with a filing that you know or a press release that they're going to offer a second do a secondary offering at, you know fourteen dollars a share. So basically, the stock just tanks, of course, to fourteen, and weekend goes by, and I'm sort of reading the filings, and they gave no details in the press release what they were using the money for. So the first thing I did was that we went to the SEC filing, um, the persist, and went to look at the section called use of proceeds, which is the first place I always go when I look at these, you know, secondary or uh, these offerings. And it basically said that they're using it to pay down all, a good chunk of their debt, you know, possibly for acquisition. So when you do all the math, you took the amount of money they were receiving, you paid a debt off, and you could look in the footnotes to find out what interest rates they were paying. You found out why well, this is, a, a, at worst case, going to be a neutral event to earnings per share and possibly slightly accretive. So we wrote a small article for our members about that. We, we just kept buying the stock as much as we could at 14. And the stock, I think, went on to hit like maybe 18, 19 relatively quickly, maybe even 20, I remember, a relatively fast fashion. And that's, you know, we call it information arbitrage. And it, it just took, the market took time to recognize that that was what the real reason these guys were raising the money for. You know, and they had strong growth as well. They had a dividend, of like I think a 7% dividend yield when the stock fell. So it's another example of just taking, you know, information that's not diagnosed properly by the market and and picking it apart a little bit and do a little surgery. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Let's be honest here. Your sex life is important. It helps us feel more confident and boosts our happiness. But sometimes we struggle to perform. Our life gets in the way. This is where hymns can help. With their convenient and discreet online platform, you can get help for your erectile dysfunction from the comfort and privacy of your own home. No more waiting rooms, no more awkward conversations, just a simple, direct path to treatment that works around your life, not interrupts it. Invest in your health today. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor visits. Answer a series of questions on their site, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free, no insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time you join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMS.com slash investing. That's HIMS.com slash investing for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMS.com slash investing. 
Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety and effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. I love that uh, mention of Peter Lynch turning over rocks. When you, it's, you, know, you can have a lot of the market just kind of looking at the surface of the rock. And if you're just the one who turns it over, you can, like you said, find that arbitrage. And it's information that's free. So you, you mentioned the press release. Um, say we have a beginner who's never able to find a press release before. How would they go about uh, looking one up and, and using that information in there? Okay, there's different tools. I mean, it depends how far they will. you, you want to go in, you know, in terms of your, you know, in your, your pocket. But you know, you can just go to the individual. Um, if you have a brokerage account, for example, you know, some, they, they may have a tool for you. Uh, like, you know, Ameritrade has, I think, Thinkorswim, where it, it can give you a feed of all the press releases coming through. Maybe you can actually sort by, by earnings press releases and stuff. Or you can go to the individual websites of the different um, different newswires. There's BusinessWire, PR Newswire, ActressWire. Um, there's MarketWire. I think those are the major ones that um, you would – and Globe Newswire. And you can go to each website, and you can segregate the earnings rele- the releases by, by category. And that's how you'd basically start. And um, then you just go from there, and you just you know, open up your – if you don't have a great program, you've got to open up every press release, for example, you know, and um, you know, try and find out which ones are minor caps. But it's a great way to – I, I really think that investors should, before they take the easy route and going and spending money on Reuters or maybe even a Bloomberg or whatever it might be, to do it the hard way first. Just do it the hard. Go in there, and um, you know, 
just do the grunt work because you'll learn a lot more. You just, it's just, there's some intangibles you learn by doing that. And, you know, now what's great, what we do here is we do it for, you know, our members. We do all that work. And we basically take, I would say, about six hours of research and take and cut it into 20 minutes. And then we just, and it's a, but once you learn the process, it becomes a very quick, I think it becomes a quicker process. So you start with the press releases, and you go, you know, you, and you go there, and you just read those press. You start, you start learning, reading how management's talking, how they weave their story, and you start to learn things and what is BS and what isn't BS. Yeah, actually, it's funny you read my mind. I want, I want, I wanted to ask as my next question: like, how often do you see like straight up lies in a press release, or, or even in the annual reports? And you know, is there ways to kind of protect yourself against that? Well, the best way is experience. So, you know, on, on day one for me, I didn't – it was a lot harder because you start to develop a relationship with these management teams. Even you're not talking to them all the time. You start to see which ones kind of embellish the truth and, and come through what they talk – what they promise and which ones don't. Uh, but the, one of the best ways to do it for a beginner investor, especially now when there's so much accident information, is reading the press release, then going to SEC filings – and then reading conference call transcripts like on seekingalpha.com and start seeing if the management team are, are consistent just across all three sources of information on certain things. So, for example, you know, a company may insinuate that it's well capitalized in its press release for conference call. But then when you go to the to 10Q or 10K, you might see in the liquidity, the liquidity section of the 10K or 10Q that they need to raise money. Okay, that's interesting, and that's one of the most that's one of the most common kind of you know magic tricks you see by <laughs> these management teams. They talk about being well capitalized, and you go find out in the filing that they might have to raise money soon, or they have no cash in the balance sheet, for example. I mean, well, obviously, they have to raise money. So just trying to tie it all together, you know. And, and it's really as an investor, you, you should make a journal, you know, you know, of these management teams that that do that. Make sure you you have. You eventually have a journal of those teams. So when you come across them again, you understand, oh, I better be careful here, maybe. I'm super big on like trying to avoid big losses, limit drawdowns, trying to not get into risky companies or, or companies that might go bankrupt. How do you mitigate? I know you, you mentioned it when you first came on. Um, how do you mitigate value traps and how do you essentially protect your capital in order to make sure that we don't get these huge losses that can really drag a portfolio's performance down? Yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a great question, man. And it's, it's, you know, I think that, you know, the way you do that really is as far as, far as from my, my experience was really learning how to interview management teams, becoming intimate with them. And understanding, you know, the risk, the, the risks from their point of view, if they, if they even understand their own risks, you know, and, and you know, it's like, the, they can, it's very, it's a very tricky kind of black hole to go down because sometimes the best investments are the ones that look the riskiest that will become less risky over time. So, you know, there's certain things I will avoid. You know, I try to avoid situations where there's so much debt that I don't think there's a plan for management to, to you know, resolve that situation. Um, there's, 
you know, you look at the competitive environment that the company's in relative to their their financial statements and try and gain some access that way. But it's really tough. You know, you can look at ratios all day long and try and find these, you know, these these companies um, that might look healthy. Then, oh, 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 what happened over here? Something happened, like, you know, customer concentration. So, you know, I would, there's a, I would really go down the risk factors and then, in the filings and try and figure out for that particular company it's like a witness test which one of these are boilerplate and which one of these can come true and if they do come true what does it mean for the company you know so their customer concentration is a great one so customer concentration can you can look at it both ways I mean it can you can if you lose your major customer you can go bankrupt right <laughs> um, but if you diversify your customer base you uh, if there's a plan for that, you 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 will reduce that risk. So I look at it from both ways. So if I'm looking at a company with a high with a high customer concentration, I understand that's a risk, and it's possible that the valuation of the company might be compromised, might be low, uh, through maybe a low PE ratio, a low valuation ratio, because of that risk. My next goal for me is to find out okay from the you know is this go is the company working in a way to mitigate that risk maybe through an acquisition or just through some type of organic strategy so i see opportunity there you know and if that's how you get this double whammy effect and you might have a stock with a pe of 10 and then maybe over time you get that 25 to 30 potentially if it's a healthy company that's growing because they found a way to mitigate that risk take that risk away so I'm looking yeah. at a lot of that. I'm looking at how I, how I take that risk away. And I love that type of investing because it's these are complex. They, they look complex and risky on the surface, but if you do your dig your research, they're really simple and, you know, and, and really good, great ways to, to find opportunity. Hey, you. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, for investors who wouldn't know, like, how to find stuff like customer concentration, for example, uh, if you go into the 10K, a lot of times if you look at the revenue segments um, portion, a lot of times will be notes to the consolidated income statements. You can find a lot of breakdown between, you know, if it's a bigger company, which companies, or I'm sorry, which countries they might sell to, or if if it's a, a really small company, they might even break down the exact customer. So if you have like a a B two B business model, like like I've talked about in the past, uh, it might list like two or three clients that are these businesses that are their their customers, and that's where all the revenue is coming from. So that's mm-hmm. one way. I think another way too, like you said, if you can find the arbitrage and you find the information that takes that risk factor away, the annual reports will have these managements where they'll disclose what their risk factors are. And that's actually where you'll see right at the beginning of a 10 K annual report, you'll see the the company actually lay out. Okay. Well, our business model is really dependent on, let's say commodity prices or our business is at risk to, Inflation, whatever whatever the factors that are relevant to that particular business, you'll find in the annual report. So that's maybe the first step as a beginner is knowing that that's there and then seeking it out. 
And then the next step would be what Maj is talking about here, where you can understand what the risks are and then move on to analyzing are the risks really justified for what the price is is giving us in the market. And like you said, um, companies have a variety of different strategies for combating these things. Uh, a lot of times they'll they'll talk about hedges where they'll uh, you'll see this with commodities a lot where they'll they'll buy like a a future or build some sort of hedge portfolio that adds other elements so that if one part of their business fails they have something else to pick it up. Um, so th- th- there's a lot of different things and like you said, I mean it, it it's not like a free lunch, you know. There's 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 work involved, and, and that's that's something that I think should not be understated here. Is there's a lot of hustle and a, a lot of research. But again, talking to investors with experience and, and guys who like to look at the numbers, guys who like to look at the financial reports and statements, if that kind of stuff really appeals to you, I think there's a huge potential, especially in the small cap, micro cap space. I know personally, you know, I have my e-letter where I'm making my stock picks every month. And I'm big majority of my stock picks will end up in the small cap space. And that's not even like I'm trying to necessarily do that. It's just right. there's been so many opportunities there lately that mm-hmm. you know just makes up a big part of my portfolio. And I don't see that changing, you know, for for at least a little while. And I'm just going to keep buying them while they're still there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I think that that's an interesting point you bring about the space. I think the space for smaller capitalized stocks is getting a little better. Um, you know, but I want to, you know, you touched on something I want to talk about regarding, you know, looking at the 10K and looking at the risk factor is that something that investors should do is, you know, look at past 10Ks and see how those risk factors might have changed over time. That can give you some clues in terms of where things are going. And try, and you mentioned even the footnotes. Some investors will read the risk, the risk factors, but they won't even, they won't read the footnotes. And there's some good information in footnotes that can give you uh, point out some risks, risk, definitely risk, some risk factors that really were in the risk factor section, uh, which is a great source, uh, uh, another great source of arbitrage information, arbitrage that that you can find in these filings. And there's a lot of examples there too. We can go over sometime. Yeah, that, that's super there's, cool. There's, um, a, there's a there's actually a section called subsequent events. It just seems so boring. What does that mean? <laughs> and and that's one of my favorites to, to read in these footnotes. It basically tells you, you know, what happened between the last company, between reporting periods. And a lot of times there are some companies will not report, put stuff in a press release. They'll put that in there. And it's a, it's a great place maybe to find some, some both opportunity and risk. And, I look so at what it. kind of events are you talking about, like acquisitions or, or like earnings reports? Yeah, acquisitions are, yeah, acquisitions are great. Is a great, you know, a great one because I came across coming out too long ago that you know the stock had pumped from I guess fifty cents to a dollar fifty for some reason. They were selling some assets. I might like looking at stock selling assets, so it kind of appeared crazy because it's you know restructuring play and maybe it takes a company that was losing money, maybe they sell their losing division, and now they you know, and they turn to a Profitable company almost overnight potentially, so it caught my attention. It was a boring company, and then they made this acquisition, 
And I was like, all right, it's interesting. They're, they're making an acquisition. They're, they're potentially going in, in, in to, in a sexy industry, the telematics industry. And then I saw, okay, they really didn't get much details in the press release, but they just talked about all the good things, of course, <laughs> what it would have meant. Then eventually, not too long ago, they filed a 10Q because they had to re- just release their earnings. And they went to the sub- subsequent event section and talked about the acquisition a little more. And what you found out there was, number one, it was a development stage company. So they basically sold, sold an asset <laughs> and used some money, using their money to buy a development stage company, which was contrary to what you want them to do after years of underperformance. And then you find out that the, is, it's being funded by a massive dil, a dilutive um, mechanism through some preferred stock. And then you find out that the company they bought um, has, some, has been, had some allegations of fraud, the, the, man, the management there. And then you find out that there's a related party event that wasn't disclosed really. So that was all from that subsequent events kind of footnote. And you know, I went into this story maybe wanting to buy the stock to one where if maybe I want to short it or avoid it, of course. And, and the stock is slowly going down since then. But you know, if you were in the if you were just a avoided the filing, you, you might have bought that stock. You maybe did. And now you, you you still might not know why it's going down. Well, you know the, the one who turned over the rocks is, is telling you why, is, is knows why it's going down. So that's 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 one of the, an example like the time. And that's a recent example actually. By the way, it's like the, there's these red flags that are there. You just have to either know from experience or wisdom that that that's a red flag and and to avoid it. I guess at what what ex, you know which ones are really bad and which ones aren't. Yeah. You know, and I use, and I'm not this like this bear guy. I, I love. I'm I'm going in here with the. Some people go. You know, if you're a if you're a bear investor, you you go into these sources to look for reasons to short. I'm looking. I'm going to look for reasons to buy. I can always look for a reason find a reason not to buy something to some degree. I'm going to look to buy a stock, and I'm just it's trying to get my theory debunked potentially by looking at these things. I wanted to find a great reason to buy that stock. And I just didn't. And that's the that's the mindset I like to have when I look at these opportunities. Yeah, I love to always say that I focus so much on value traps and I focus on having a system that will automatically filter out value traps for me because I just naturally get so excited whenever I look at a stock that right. it's like if I don't have that in place, I'm gonna make some some huge, very, very aggressive things just because it's it's so easy to talk yourself into wanting to buy a stock and and maybe glossing over some of the less attractive pieces and and really focusing in on wow look at this particular aspect of this business that's just so fantastic or look how dirt cheap of a price I can get it at. It's important to to keep that in mind, like you said, not because we're trying to be a bear, we're trying to be pessimistic, or trying to you know think that we're too cool and everybody else is is ignorant and that's not the case at all. It's because it's, it's has the just getting into stocks and buying stocks as a, as a potential to, you, you can get swept up with the rest of the crowd so easily. And so you really have to make an effort to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. Oh, sure. And I'm always trying, you always assume you need to assume what does someone else know more than me on this thing? Because there's always, there's always someone who knows more than you do. <laughs> about that and you, you try and you try and 
continue to work down a line that's where you know as much as you can about a situation where you think you've got at least a pretty good handle on it than most people. Yeah, definitely. So uh, let's talk about um, geo-investing, you know. So you talk about how you, you offer like a hybrid approach for people who want to kind of get into it, also want some guidance, but also want to do some of their own research. So, you know, you mentioned your 10-year anniversary. Um, maybe what what were some of the big lessons in, in those 10 years? And then how do you... How do you guys guide the research-oriented investor to really finding the, the best information arbitrage that they can? No, we're, we're always educating. So we're not just writing articles about stocks. and We, we write articles about how we go through the process. And that, that's really important to us and always showing case studies the, you know, to back up why we're looking at a particular type of opportunity. I think that's really important. One of, one of the things I learned along the way was this, that I think the, one of the biggest things lacking, and it was, I was lacking for me in the very beginning of my process, was a process. And what, it's, if, if you don't have a process, you really are going to set yourself back in, in anything in life, really. To kind of try to imagine what you're good at in life. You just think, imagine for a second, close your eyes. You probably don't know it, but you have you you've basically taken you, that hobby maybe or what you're doing at work, and you you're just so good at it that you define a pro, you you define a process to simplify the process. And that's I I continue to learn as I kind of evolved through this website and and doing this for years. I just assumed that investors had a process, and that's a wrong assumption. And in the very beginning of our product, you know, we kind of Threw a lot of ideas out to our to our membership base and subscriber base, and you know because it was great. We thought it was great research, but what we realized is they needed, you know, a, a little coddling in terms of what do we do with this information. And so this is kind of like I'm really happy with this model, what we call model portfolios. And we basically take all of our research and we put them in model portfolios, you know, and and so it really helps. Our, our our members see the process, see why we're building these portfolios, and kind of helps them kind of put these things, put our put our ideas in little pieces and in, in, in compartments, and and organize what we're doing for our, for our, for members. And I think they really have appreciated that we have a, a multi-bagger portfolio for the long-term investor that just wants to put stuff away and hold it for five, you know, ten years. It doesn't care about volatility. Uh, we have a what we call a run to one portfolio, which are the few what we call quality stocks that turn under a dollar that we think will run to one or higher. Uh, ESCC was one of those, by the way. Uh, we have a portfolio for contrarian investors, where it's for the maybe mid midterm investor, potentially short term, where we we build a portfolio of four to five stocks where we did an intense research on, but are falling for no reason other than just either. Bad market conditions, where an investor might have misinterpret, investors might be misinterpreting good news, and we just and that's like a contrarian approach. And we uh, that's my one of my favorite portfolios, by the way. It's it's incredible. We're on our sixth one right now, and they're just doing fantastic. You know, we're talking like I don't like to stress short term, <laughs> you know, but the you know these guys are they're hitting like twenty, thirty, forty percent in a relatively short period of time because you're just buying. You basically these portfolios are basically buying in fear. 
mm-hmm. then we're about to launch another mock portfolio we're calling the Rule 72, which is for the super concentrated investor that wants one stock that's afraid to invest long term, but that wants to you know potentially get some nice returns on their portfolio. So it's one stock at a time, you know, and that we think is going to go up at least twenty percent. And it's a portfolio that's going to continue to if you double you know the Rule 72. Take 72 divided by 20, and you double your money if you're reinvesting that stock, um, reinvesting every time you make 20%. In 3.6 times, you doubled your money. So that's for the, you know, the ultra like risky kind of investor doesn't want a lot of exposure to a lot of time, uh, but wants to still make some returns. That, we're about to launch that really soon. And I'm pretty excited about that one, actually. So that's, you know, that's really, um, we have this thing we call geo bargains, which are, um, you know, really, really, and this is kind of pure interest driven. You know, we give maybe five reasons why I like a stock. We really go into it. Well, we break out the ten, the, the ten financial kind of uh, ratios and, and data points that support our thesis uh, with a small little elevator pitch. So it's a very easy way to deliver um, a, um, a, a reason we, we like a stock. And what I love that is it, it's learning as we're doing There's the, you know, Here's the reasons. These five reasons that we like stock are... are are basically a theme that continues across how we pick other stocks. You know, great margins. You know, great margin uh, management teams. Activists getting involved in the stock. Um, there's there's similar catalysts, and we just find them all over the place. And then we know we have you know the ratios, the earnings per share growth requirements, and then the elevator pitch. And I think it helps our you know helps investors really start to see the process we're taking. Um, in, in making our decisions, and we also at times will write very, very lengthy, you know, in-depth research reports. You know, when we think that uh, there's a reason to do that. That's cool. Yeah, and we'll we'll have a link in the show notes um, that's going to link to to everything you're talking about. Um, also, if if you're listening and you, you don't have access to the show notes, geoinvesting.com/slash/investing-for-beginners. Uh, by the time this goes live. Uh, I believe, Maj, you're going to put up a, a page for that. And, you know, a, a big reason why you grabbed our attention is because of your big focus on fundamental analysis and digging into the financial reports and doing the research. So I think it's a, obviously it's always great to have resources. And if if it's if fundamental analysis and reading annual reports and researching companies and buying individual stocks, if that's the kind of thing that you're trying to do and pursue, uh, it only makes sense to get re- get advice and resources and, and different insights and, and try to get as many of those as you can, especially when you're starting out. So at least you can have a base of knowledge and wisdom and, and you use and utilize other people's experiences and things that they've seen and studied in the markets and, and try to take that into your advantage. And so I think that's really cool uh, what you're doing, everything you're doing at GeoInvesting. And uh, really just want to thank you for giving us your time and talking to us about the, the annual reports and the, the press releases especially. That was, that was really, really cool. So uh, thanks for all that. And I guess if you have one last thing you, you'd want to say to – the beginner, the average listener, what would that be? Look, I, I just want to say that, that with the right process, um, I think any investor or any any investor, any anyone who's looking to become an investor can be be a better investor. Just like when you go to a gym, you know, and you you work out, 
you know, you're never at your potential. You might not become Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> but you can become better, and and that's the key. And I, it's very and it's very very possible. My team, my team that we have here um, at Jubin, I'm really proud of the work they've been doing. is made up of everyday investors. I got people here who used to, you know, work at a gym. I got people here who manage restaurants. Used to be, you know, manage restaurants. Um, I also have you know, the Wall Street guys, you know, and who who are who you know um, getting got their masters and stuff. So it's a very unique group of people here, and and that basically kind of is what we why we built Geo Investing, why why we why we launched this thing was to kind of like bringing great research to the everyday investor. I think there's a lot to learn there, and just just keep trying, and you know, and just keep doing the research, and don't lose don't lose faith because you keep and and when you when you fail, you know, learn from that. It doesn't you know it doesn't mean you're going to be a bad investor, you know, or make bad you know, bad investments all throughout your life, and you don't, you know because the way the markets work, you don't need many great investments to succeed in this. The way the math works, so. I just tell people that anything's possible in this game, and don't listen to the media because <laughs> they'll tell you it's not possible. <laughs> you know, tune out. I say tune out CNBC and tune up your portfolio. <laughs> so that's a good one. So that's. Um, I really thank you guys for me having me here. I really appreciate it. I'd love to do this again sometime. We can talk a little bit more case studies. Maybe dig into a, um, different ways of the research process, and then maybe I can learn more about what you guys do. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. 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 That- definitely. Yeah, we'd definitely be open to that. That was that was amazing. I had I had a lot of fun listening to that. Thank you guys for allowing me to sit back and enjoy that. I was drowning in you know stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> excuse great. me. All right, folks. Well, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. We really appreciate Maj taking the time to talk to us tonight. That was a really interesting conversation between Andrew and he, and I really enjoyed listening to them talk, and I learned a lot myself, so I know you guys did too. So, again, we really appreciate Maj taking a moment to talk to us, and uh, we enjoy having him on, and we look forward to having him back again sometime soon. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys have a great week. Go out and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on safety, find some intrinsic value, and you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you later. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.